Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Help Me Think. I'm your host, Starla West. Today, we are about to embark on a captivating journey into the world of executive productivity and strategic calendar management. But before we dive into this fascinating topic, let's take a moment to recognize our title sponsor, Business Furniture. Help Me Think is sponsored by Business Furniture, a 100-year-old organization focusing on innovation since 1922. That's right. You heard me correctly. Business Furniture just celebrated its 100th anniversary of creating spaces where people can work better, learn better, and feel better. They truly are the experts when it comes to creating spaces where employees can show up and do their best thinking and best work. As you all know, hybrid work has gone mainstream, and it's one of the biggest economic and cultural changes facing leaders today. Most organizations that choose hybrid work are trying to offer a balance between the flexibility that people want and the need to bring employees together to foster collaboration and innovation. And these guys know how to do it. So let Business Furniture help build a sense of community for your company. Check them out at businessfurniture.net. And now, back to our episode. Today, we're delving into a transformative, but not so new concept, entrusting your calendar to a skilled assistant. Your calendar is more than a schedule. It's a roadmap to optimizing your work and life. And much like the video game Tetris, do you remember that video game where one must masterfully orchestrate falling blocks into a puzzle? Your assistant can expertly navigate the puzzle of your daily commitments, optimizing your schedule to ensure your highest priorities receive the attention they deserve. This strategic shift has the potential to liberate your energy, empowering you to channel it into more productive and enjoyable activities. And with the elimination of decision fatigue, you can focus on what truly matters. Just imagine having the mental clarity each day to make informed decisions. Now, this transformation isn't theoretical. It's the real-world magic that our special guest, Tiffany Wynn, has mastered as the executive assistant for the CEO of Repeat MD. Tiffany is a thought leader and a highly sought-out speaker in the administrative professional community. Her analytical approach to calendar optimization and productivity enhancement has produced remarkable results, and in today's episode, she unveils for us the secrets to reclaiming your energy and conquering decision fatigue as an in-demand executive leader. If you listened to episode nine of Help Me Think, then you know that I discovered Tiffany's expertise at Enlightened 23, a gathering of administrative professionals hosted by Joan Burge and her team at Office Dynamics. If you're curious about this conference, check out the link in the show notes. Now, during this event, I attended Tiffany's session on strategic calendar management, and I was instantly captivated. I knew I had to bring her insights to our listeners because we all know the frustration of being in back-to-back meetings, leaving little to no room for strategic thinking. And here's the incredible part. Thanks to Tiffany's expertise, she unearthed a staggering 10 and a half extra hours in her CEO's weekly calendar for strategic thinking and flex time. She also streamlined the CEO's weekly recurring meetings from devouring 39% of his week to now only 23% of his week. 
and she significantly reduced his tactical meeting time, liberating him from nine hours to just three and a quarter hours each week. This, my friends, is the true magic of an executive assistant proficient in strategic calendar management. Join us as we embark on this journey into the Tetris of time. We'll reveal how strategic calendar management can be a game changer, ensuring every moment of your day aligns with your overarching objectives while conserving your precious energy and eliminating decision fatigue. And don't forget to download the free worksheet for this episode. It's your guide to implementing Tiffany's calendar audit steps and achieving real results. Now, without further ado, let's dive into part two of our conversation with the exceptional Tiffany Wynn. It's time to reclaim your calendar and supercharge your productivity. I mentioned that you found 10 and a half more hours in your CEO's weekly calendar for what you call flex time and triple T time. And, and so I'm excited to, to talk about that a little bit more. But let's talk about how and why you do that when you step in every time you step into an executive assistance role. And I know that you're only four months into your current role. Four weeks. Uh, four weeks. Four weeks. Yes. Yeah, what are we saying? Four <laughs> weeks. Share with us how you did that in your previous role and share with us where you are right now if you've, if yeah. you've engaged in that quite yet with your with current that. role. Yeah. Yeah. My, my last CEO that I supported, I actually came in as a manager of admin operations with the company, not as the CEO's EA. So I actually had three to four months of, I'd say it's a benefit of me um, being in the company, but not supporting the CEO, because then I was able to understand the environment and what some pain points were across the company. So when I started supporting the CEO at my last company, I got access to the calendar and just visually, just because I've been doing it for so long, I said, there's just way too many recurring meetings on the calendar. It's eating up so much real estate on the calendar. And he didn't really have an EA before. He had someone like helping him, but it wasn't in a full EA capacity. And she didn't have the develop anybody to develop or guide her, mentor her into being a strategic EA until I got there. He didn't, he just, he was busy. He said, I'm always so busy, but I'm not productive. And I'm sure you hear that all the time from the executives that you that you coach is that they're so busy, but they're not productive. I apologize for interrupting, but I, I will tell you, I hear that more than I would like to. Yeah. I, Starla, cannot, I just don't have time to just kick back and do the kind of strategic thinking that I need to do because I'm in too many meetings. Yeah. And I immediately will respond with, then it's time to sit down and let's take a look at your calendar and let's figure out how we can make some changes. And then that's when I will ask, pull your executive assistant into this, let him or her help you figure this out. Now, some will do that, some won't, but that's usually the complaint. I'm in way too many meetings. Yeah. And a lot of yeah. the meetings they wanted. So. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so that's, I just started supporting the CEO and I, he's very day, he was, he is very data driven. And so I, it wasn't, I couldn't say, Hey, my EA intuition, my EA spidey senses are going off and you're in too many recurring meetings. So I needed a data driven approach to show him that there is one, a problem. And, mm -hmm. um, and he already gave, told me the problem. I'm in too many meetings. I'm busy, but not productive. And so that, that was the problem that I was trying to solve. 
solve. And so how I was trying to solve that is going to be very data driven because we didn't have it built, haven't had time to build that trust yet where he would trust my EA instincts. So I needed to come up with a different approach in terms of showing him how he's spending his time and energy. Energy is a big one um, because where your the energy flows, the energy goes, I can't remember what the saying is, but you know, that energy saying and the the time is just i think the tip of the iceberg it's more of the energy draining part. And so when I started um, doing the calendar audit and I was in Outlook before, now I'm in actually, I'm using Google Workspace in my current role and Google Calendar um, has something called Insights. And it's exactly my calendar approach, but I'll still explain it um, in Outlook. But I looked at at his calendar. I started categorizing his meetings. First, I was categorizing recurring versus non-recurring. And then I wanted to do a little bit deeper and I did tactical versus strategic. And so there's a couple layers to this onion that I was peeling because recurring and non-recurring just wasn't as granular as I needed it to be. And it it was maybe it will help with the time, maybe, but I just needed more context. It's that context part. And one-on-ones doesn't mean that it's not productive or recurring meetings doesn't mean that they aren't productive. Mm -hmm. And so I started interviewing the meeting owners. Um, Some of them were the executive was Eric himself. And I asked him, what meetings drain you? What meetings on your calendar just suck the life out of you and you just don't want to be there, but you feel like you have to be there. And and when he told me which ones he did, and I asked him, why does it drain you? He told me why. And and he had to, hey, I had to sit back and think about some of that because I don't think people sit back and think about what drains their energy and what gives them energy. Because a lot, some meetings give the executives energy because they're super passionate about marketing or Mm -hmm. things like that. And some executives like the CFO doesn't care to be in marketing meetings, but he has to be because it it costs money. So those are the things that I was trying to figure out of what, where is the energy flowing? Okay. Um, And so the meetings that he just needed to be in that sucked the energy out of him, I put in the mornings when hopefully they've had a good night's sleep and they don't have, they weren't in a ton of meetings before where they were just back to back and didn't even barely got a lunch and couldn't even take a restroom break and all of that. So I did the more energy draining, but necessary meetings in the mornings for the certain executive. And then I also interviewed the, the other meeting owners and I approached them and I said, Hey, I just started supporting Eric and like, I'm trying to just give him some real estate on his calendar for investor meetings or any fires that come up like personnel issues or things like that, that he just can't even accommodate right now because his calendar is so full. And can you help me understand to give me context on what this meeting is? What is the purpose of the executive being there? Is there a decision that needs to be made? Is there something being escalated? And in this certain case, a lot of it was he needs to be there to make sure that everybody else is doing what they need to be doing. And I said, that's, I was like, I I get it. (laughs) I get that. That's a fact. It was a fact that he needed to be there to hold everyone accountable and in terms of what they needed to get done. But that was a cultural issue and an accountability issue. So then we start getting really deep into the accountability culture (laughs) in the organization. And and this discussion just 
how I'm going to create more time in the calendar became, how are we going to change the culture around here? And how are we going to hold people more accountable to what they say that they're going to do? And then we start talking about metrics dashboards and all of these other things, these metrics that people have to report. And if they, there needs to be, and they weren't doing that before, but just it stemmed into so much more than just time and calendar. But that's, that, that was my experience with my last executive. I apologize for interrupting, but I think that's a beautiful example of what a business partner partner's mindset looks like. Whereas what we would consider to be a traditional administrative professional, they would probably go into those meetings and they would be very task focused. I need to figure out what this meeting is for and whether or not my executive needs to be in there. And as things surface that you just pointed out, they may or may not look at that as this is my responsibility to bring awareness to my executive about this cultural issue and that there's some opportunities here Mm -hmm. to improve the culture in a way that there's lots of benefits that come from that, not just you getting out of some meetings. So yeah, I I, thank you for sharing that because I think that's a beautiful example of that kind of mindset. Yes. And it's our, is the CEO empowering these people to make the decisions without him having to approve everything? It's also that empowerment and authority and not micromanaging the team and trusting them to do what they, what you hired them to do and development. They're, they're, you have to allow them to make mistakes as well and, and fail to a certain degree, but have those boundaries set at the beginning. So it was, I also had that conversation with the CEO. It stemmed from all of this calendar, the audit of the calendar is all of these cultural gaps, cultural gaps that, that we should be aware of. And do we want to prioritize and fix and bridge these gaps or is now not the time? Right. Um, How did the meeting owners respond to your inquiries? Because I know some of them had to be thinking, what is going on? And and is she trying to yeah. eliminate my meeting from his calendar? And how do I feel about that? <laughs> Everyone responded differently. <laughs> but I always start with the why. I always start with the why. I don't like to do anything that somebody asked me to do unless I understand the why behind it. Mm-hmm. And that could be annoying to some execs. But, but that's the way that I function and, and I make sure that the executive is aligned on, on why it's important for me to have context because it just makes me more effective. But I always start with the why I approach the meeting owners and this is the, I'm looking, this is what I'm doing. So a lot, very transparent of what I'm doing, I'm telling them the why we wanted to, they wanted to do a transaction when I first started supporting the executive and he needed space to have all of these due diligence meetings with the investors and with the bankers and with the private equity company. So that's the why. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. the why. And, And I also approached it where this was a win for them as well. Like you're empowered and the CEO told me <laughs> like you are empowered to make some of these decisions without him or via email or Slack instead of in a 45 minute meeting or send the executive summary. And if he has questions, he'll ask. And if not, he'll approve it. So it's more efficient in the process for them and it empowers them to make decisions. And I, I think people want that. <laughs> Yeah. And there there goes your empathy again. You are positioning these conversations in a way that they see 
why this is beneficial for them, not just this is something I need to get done for the CEO. Yes. Okay. So you categorized his meetings in a meaningful way on the computer or on the computer (laughs) in his calendar. Then you had, you interviewed him to better understand his mindset around all of this and which meetings bring him energy, which meetings does he want to be in, which ones drain, drain him and suck the life out of him. And then you interviewed the meeting owners to gather intel as well. So what happens next? So I, those are all my data points. So I consolidated all of that data and I put it in a pie graph um, form in terms of percentage of time that he's spending in tactical versus strategic versus recurring and non-recurring. And there were a couple of different projects going on at that time. And so I said, this project that affects the company a little bit, moderately, you're spending 68% of your <laughs> your time focused on. That, that's an example. It wasn't that bad, but but that's that's how I approached it in terms of impact versus effort, in terms of time. Right? Yeah, um, impa- impact versus effort and time and uh, energy and attention. Yes. And it's also if executive is super passionate about marketing and he's in all these marketing meetings that he doesn't necessarily need to be in, but he, but it does bring him energy and life. But it's also like the, the necessity versus the, the need versus the want. Right. <laughs> the executive. We talked about that as well. And and so I, I put it in a PowerPoint, all of the data points and my proposal. So I never bring, just bring a problem to the executive. I always bring solutions, right? And I, and with this certain executive, he doesn't like surprises. Like he won't take same day meetings, things like that. So I sent the deck to him ahead of time, ahead of the meeting so that he can, can review it. And then we start the meeting off. We don't have to go through the deck. I don't have to go through each slide because he's already reviewed it. And then we're just digging into the discussion. And so this like 45 to an hour meeting happened in 30 minutes because I sent him pre-reads to do. And I blocked out time for him to read the, the slide deck. And he could just, he can, we can just hit the ground running in the meeting and cut, like he can ask his questions and we can dive into it. So that was my strategy in terms of presenting the information to him. Okay. Let's stick, let's stay there for a moment. You, yeah. Did you just say that you blocked out time on his calendar yeah. and that time was your instruction to him to review the slide deck. Yes, I'm a huge fan of task blocking. But very I, not just hey read your emails, read this very specific email and respond to it in this 10 minute window that I gave you. And I was lucky my past executive did exactly what was on his calendar and that not, was going to be my question. <laughs> so you had an executive who you could time block for and you knew certain tasks that needed to be done. And you got to a place where you knew when to best put them on his calendar. And he would look at his calendar and see that she's put a task here. This is something I know I need to do. And he would actually do it at that point in time. Yes, he would. That's impressive. Because the trust was there, but as he was also very, he he came from military and he's very structured and he, everything was on the calendar and it was so structured, right? Um, not every executive is like that. My current executive is not exactly like that. He, there are some times and days where he's knocking out his tasks, but there are other days where I have so many tasks in the calendar and I don't know if they're going to get done or not, um, but I just move them to another day as I'm learning about the priorities of not only the business 
business, but the executives and both personal life and work life. Once I start understanding those, then I'll be able to prioritize the task. And I'm not just throwing tasks on the calendar just because there's an opening, but I know that they'll be in the right mind mindset to uh, to answer this escalated customer email or whatever the task is. So that's and 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 I'm not offended if it doesn't get done on the time that I told this person to to do it. Uh, I just move it. So the the adaptability and flexibility is also a big thing for me as well. And just no judgment. I presented just like the calendar strategic calendar management um, data. I presented the data. You you said there was a problem. We agreed what the problem was. These are my solutions. This is the data. And if you decide to take none of my proposals, that's fine. You, but you will continue to feel like you're too busy and in too many meetings and not productive. <laughs> the executives, leaders that are out there listening, this is the kind of EA that you want. Someone who gets to know you so well that they're not only time blocking for you, but they're strategically time blocking and putting tasks on your calendar when they know that you are best suited to get those things done in terms of your mindset, your energy, and your attention. Oh my gosh, I know there's got to be so many leaders out here saying, how do I get Tiffany? How do I get a Tiffany? <laughs> Someone has a cloning machine. That <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you knew that, you, that this that your previous CEO, very data-driven, very structured, mm-hmm. and you took all the right steps to put the potential solutions in front of him. And where did it go next? What happened next? Yeah, we took my initial meeting, we took about 50% of the proposals um, then. And I also I did I did um, short term proposal solutions, midterm solutions, which was past three months, and then long term solutions of what we can consider doing dropping in terms of dropping meetings in six plus months. So I did short term, long term, midterm, long term um, solutions, because I'm really big on this sunset approach as well. I don't like to come in here and I'm like a heart transplant in a new company. And um, the heart like I have to be accepted (laughs) from the company and the people to be able to function well and be effective. And so I really like the sunsetting approach. And maybe it's a roadmap, sort of a a roadmap of let's start pulling back on some of these meetings, not just drop them right away, even if they're not necessary, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I take into account people's mindsets and the psychology, and I don't want them to be offended. So I I like the sunset approach. And I take that to with a lot of things that I do in terms of implementing change within an organization or the current processes, especially around the CEO. Yeah. And I can see where that would be beneficial because uh, drastic changes, a lot of drastic changes up front. Uh, sometimes it's that's, it, that's really tough to sustain. Yeah. And it, it doesn't help when... It doesn't help the EA's reputation if they come in here and just start canceling meetings because they don't need to be in, uh, because the CEO doesn't need to be in it. Um, because and I'm supporting founders right now. So accessibility of everyone in the organization to the founder CEO is something that I take into account as well, because that's a huge shift and change for them. And especially an ultra high tech growing company that can happen really fast. So the founders work with maybe it was a team of five at the very beginning for two years. And and then it grew to 200 in six months. That's a big change. 
Right. And not everybody's going to be able to have the kind of access that they they had early on in the beginning. Yes. And there's a difference between the CEO being accessible. I I don't believe that the CEO needs to be accessible to everyone at all times. Mm -hmm. But approachability is something that I think every CEO should have. For the everybody in the organization to be able to approach the CEO, um, but not necessarily access. Um, They don't need to access them to do their job. Yeah, that makes sense. And I I suspect there's lots of executives out there that would agree with you. So then uh, which of your proposed solutions did he accept? And then how did you implement them? And what was the impact? Yeah, so there were two big project um, meetings on his calendar. One of them had daily, 30-minute daily stand-ups and weekly tactical meetings for this one project. And the word tactical in a meeting already just, this is a red flag for me um, when it comes to the CEO being in a tactical meeting because I can't imagine that the CEO is owning any tasks. So that that was the first one is having, and, and a lot of times they put holder invites in the calendar in case the CEO doesn't show up to the first one. If we resolved that, then there wouldn't be duplicate meeting invites in the calendar. So it's my commitment to the meeting owners that the executive will show up to the first meeting. Can we, let's get rid of the second one later down the week, or can we reduce the time for these meetings? Because you'll send pre-read materials ahead of the meeting and um, they can ask questions even before the meeting starts. And maybe this can be done asynchronously through email or or whatever channel that um, you want to do it through. So it's helping also the meeting owner to be prepared for the meeting so that you're not spending the first 15 minutes going through the material. Yeah. So you're supporting everyone else at the same time to to be successful and get the outcomes that they're looking for. And it just provides more structure. There's a lot of the meeting owners didn't have agendas for the meetings. And so I started pushing people for agendas and pre-reads and briefing. And it it was just a, a more effective system. Yeah. So in this system, did, did you, did, was it continued to be allowed to put things on the CEO's calendar or did you lock that down so that when things got onto his calendar, it was because you put them there or he put them there? I blocked all of open time uh, on the executive's calendar. And I do that um, now um, because I don't want people throwing things on the calendar because there's no way I can strategically manage if I'm not, if I'm not deciding where the meeting will go and when the meeting's happening. And there's a lot of pieces of a meeting can't happen until other meetings happen. So there's a lot of moving pieces and I don't give, and I'm the only owner of the calendar. The executive doesn't touch the calendar, does not give availability. That's what makes it really hard. I know with some EAs and execs as well, because um, if somebody goes directly to the exec and asks for time, then they'll give it to him. And the EAs, no, I was holding that time for something else. It's hard. It, there needs to be one one owner of the calendar. And it needs to be the EA. <laughs> um, and the executive just can't. They just have to funnel all requests to the EA. So... Have you had any difficulty getting some executives to buy into that? And the reason I ask that question is I know I have individuals listening to this podcast right now who are executives and could never fathom the idea of being able to put something on their calendar if they wanted to or just 
they operate on the fly. They're that people person who is moving so quickly that they are just comfortable putting things on their calendar or moving things on their calendar. And I would, and I see those individuals as being the difficult ones to get on board with that. Have you ever been in that situation with one of those types of executives? Not directly, but indirectly. I've mostly supported C-level execs and a lot of times there they've already had EAs before. Mm-hmm. And so they they understand pretty much how to utilize one. But I have worked with other EAs that had executives like that. And it just, it does make it harder. So I think just having the executive understand that it's just not as effective and not as efficient. They can do whatever they want. They can throw things on their calendar if they want. It just makes... It's just, again, not effective and not efficient if there's so many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> right? um, well, my, my suspicions would be that they would start to soon see that they're actually the problem. And the, re- yeah. <laughs> the reason I say that is because early on when I started my company, I would set these rules for my calendar because I know my most creative time when I have the freshest mind and I can sit down and either problem solve or create create the things that I need to be creating in this work are always Mondays and Tuesdays. And so I would I would say to myself, no meetings whatsoever on Mondays and Tuesdays. Those are my times in the office. And then next thing I know, I've got I'm out at an event and somebody says, oh, really, I, the only day I can meet is Monday. And I'd be like, Oh, okay. And then I'd put it on the calendar and then I'd look at the calendar in a couple of weeks and I'd get so bitter because I'm like, why did I do that? And so I realized I was the problem. Yes. And I, when I got an exam, an EA, I, the first thing I handed over to her was my calendar. And I just said, I can't trust myself. These are rules, but I can't seem to follow them. And she follows them. She's just, she has no problems looking at it with people saying, I'm sorry, Starla's just not available on Mondays. We're going to have to look at Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. And so a lot of times I know the work that I'm doing, I'm having to help the executive see that their calendar is a lot of times the challenges that they're having or the complaints that they're having, it's because they're the problem. Yes. (laughs) If they just trust their EA to be the sole owner, they would be so much happier on the back end. But EAs have a role um, to to play there as well as building that trust and getting the exec to be confident in their abilities to strategically manage the calendar. So it's a two-way street um, because there are a lot of EAs out there that aren't able to yet or, and you can't assume and feel entitled that just because you have an EA title, you get to control the calendar. You have to build that trust and confidence with your executive first. Yeah. And prove that you can do it in a way that really benefits them. Yeah. That leaves them thinking. I think my goal would be if I if I was in that role, my goal would be that in six months they looked at me and said, I wish I would have done this sooner. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you so let's go back to the recommendations that you put in place and the steps that you took, and then those outcomes. Yes. So we we took about 50% of my proposals, which I was actually surprised by. And this was 50% of the short-term proposals. And we actually took one of the long-term proposals immediately, which was eliminating one of the project tactical meetings. And there were some proposals that that he still to this day hasn't taken. I recommended not doing weekly one-on-ones with his direct reports. And he still to this day has one weekly one-on-ones with his direct reports. And that's fine. There are different phases of the business 
business where they and, and different personalities as well, and also different different skill sets of the man, the executive leadership team that comes into play. And I don't think that I took that into account when I was suggesting to not have weekly one on one. So now my current CEO has weekly one on ones with his direct reports, and I'm not going to <laughs> recommend that he get rid of them because they are very important at in the startup um, phase of the company. So that those are so taking away those project meetings and empowering those meeting owners to one make decisions to have pre-reads ahead of the meeting and just be prepared an agenda and be prepared that was just saving um, so much time and 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 understanding just the mindset as well but it, it allowed and then we went into like a due diligence phase with some investors that just ate up so much time but I didn't have to, we didn't have to adjust too much to it because the space was, <coughs> sorry, <laughs> no the space was there for it, for me to accommodate all of those meetings. So it, it just happened at the right time, right before we had those investor meetings and it proved that this works. In that case. It did work because I'll, I'll go back to what stood out to me and you can add in here anything that I missed, but the 10 and a half hours more time on their calendar for flex and the triple T time. And I do want to go back to what that is. Okay. But then you were able to reduce his weekly recurring meetings from 39% of his week to only 23% of his week. And then the time spent in tactical meetings went from nine hours per week to three and a quarter hours. And that, that set him up to have that flex time that you were talking about earlier to deal with problems that come up or to just be agile enough to do the things that need to be done in the moment right. that he otherwise couldn't do if he was stuck in meetings. Right. So what is the triple T time? Triple T is think tank time, which is what my former colleague called it. I call it time to think. And I supported the founder in my last role, which is who I did the calendar audit for. And he just wanted, he wanted that creative space that you were talking about that you do on Mondays and Tuesdays. And I, I think it's important for founders, especially, but every executive, but uh, to have just that empty space in the calendar so that they can be creative and innovative and, and have those big ideas because um, they can't, do that if they're in meetings all the time, um, because their focus is on is in the meeting. So I carved out and I protected the triple T time, you know, um, I made sure that there was at least 30 minutes in the morning, there was a two hour lunch break every day that I protected. Um, and then there was an hour in the afternoon. So I stacked most of the meetings up front, front loaded them in the mornings, um, because mm -hmm. he was just a lot more attentive then and, and engaged in the meetings then and then um, towards the afternoon, it would just be breathing room or time to think or just brainstorm. He really liked whiteboarding. He had a couple of whiteboards in his office. So it was time for him. And I saw him in there during his triple T time, just like scribbling away on his whiteboard. <laughs> and sometimes he was, he had his feet up on his desk and was reading the newspaper. And I just carved out the time for him to do those things so that he can be engaged in the meetings that he is in. So you said protecting, you protected this time. And we already talked about the fact that you protected the time by blocking it on the calendar and making sure that people couldn't drop cal calendar items into his calendar. But humans being 
what we what they are and what we know about them. I, I can't imagine that there weren't key people in the organization who started to sniff out when those times were. Excuse me, and I do have to clear my throat here real quick. <coughs> my apologies. Sniff out that he's in his office during these times and he's normally, and I'm using flying quotes here, free. How did you keep individuals from invading that time physically in his office? I One, I moved my desk right across from his office. I moved my office right across from his office. I, it was literally, I can see him working. And people would walk by and they're like, oh, why'd you move? And I said, like, I just need to make sure that Eric's working. Joke out of it. But really, it was to make sure that people weren't just swinging by. But he had the personality where, you know, although his door was open, it what didn't mean that his door was open. It was just physically open. I think he already set that culture before I got there. But if it's, I'm trying to think of recommendations for the execs that are more my doors always open kind of uh, mentality and culture. Recently, my one of the EAs that I work with now scheduled an open office hours for her executive, and it could be mm-hmm. dropping in on a Zoom or stopping or physically stopping by his office. And I think that's helpful to have open office hours where you can just come by. And if there's anything that the executive was has been like, blocking them on and hasn't been responsive and things like that, stop by the office hours and they can knock it out there. That might work for some executives, some some it won't. But I think that I thought it was a great idea to have open office hours for executives. Maybe it's weekly, maybe it's bi-weekly, maybe it's monthly, I don't know. And then so everybody knows that it's okay to go in there. I haven't had any anyone that really disrespected the, like they didn't like barge into meetings that the executives in, but uh, in one of the, my webinars that I did, somebody did say that, that someone just barged into the meeting and and just started talking. And that's a cultural issue to me. I don't think that's the whole, like ownership of the EA to fix. I think it's definitely a conversation that the EA should bring up to the CEO. Be like, hey, like you should, we should stop allowing this. And I always use the word we, it's never like you, because like we're a team and mm-hmm. then this is one job, two people, but we, we shouldn't really not let this person barge into in the middle of your meetings anymore. You're, the, if you're allowing it to happen, then that's empowering them to do, keep doing it because they think it's okay. You're absolutely right. The only thing that's going to address that and remedy it is a right. conversation that executive needs to have with whoever is, right. is making that decision. That's right. the only thing that's going to fix it. No EA or anybody else on the team can fix that. Yes. So yeah, it's the boundaries, right? It's drawing those boundaries and aligning the boundaries with the executive. And sometimes you do have to protect, um, but sometimes you do have to allow certain people to have access to the CEO just for morale, just for the culture building as well. Just understanding when it's good and when it's not. Also just aligning with the executive. Hey, I know you're in your brainstorming session. Is it okay for people to stop by or you're, you're hard no right now? Things like that. Yeah. You're in your new role. I am. Four weeks in. Yes. Have you done a calendar audit or initiated a calendar audit yet? And if so, how did you gain approval from your existing CEO or your new CEO? Because I know I've got, I'm sure I've got people out there that are wondering, how does she convince the, her executives to let her do this? So there's a couple of questions there. I'll let you go wherever you'd like with them. 
Sure. Current role is not going to be a good example. I do see some some problems already, but um, it's still too soon for me to surface them. I still need so much context in terms of what's going on with the business, the priorities. I'm still in that just absorbing like a sponge information. So it's too soon for me to do that. I do see some inefficiencies that we could probably approach, but that's not going to happen for, I would say another 30 days, but I am doing a 30 day review in terms, it's in terms of Phil giving me feedback on what's working, what's not working, what should Mm -hmm. I continue doing? What should I stop doing? And also feedback for, from me to him of what's working, what's not working for me and what are roadblocks for me 30 days in. So we'll have a 30 day, a six day, and, and then a 90 day check-in. And that's the onboarding timeline of, of what we have right now. But formally in my, in my last role, I didn't ask for permission to do the calendar audit. Generally, I, I am a person, I'm pretty assertive, but I'm generally a person that asks for forgiveness if I do something. And I don't just do it because I just feel like doing it. I always have very objective reasons and a business case behind everything that I do or every decision that I make so that I can back it up. And if it's if it was a mistake, it was a mistake and I learned from it. I don't make that mistake again. But, but I didn't ask for permission from the my last CEO, I, like I said, I was there for a couple of months already. So I had already built some relationships with the, the people across the organization. And I told him I was doing it. I said, I'm going to do a calendar audit. You presented me with a problem. This is my approach on finding a solution for this problem. And that was the approach. So for here, I actually don't have to do a calendar audit because Google um, Calendar has that insights um, capability, which Mm -hmm. is great. But I did relabel all of the colors in his calendar. Um, And we talked about that on my first week. Um, when I was here is what each of these colors mean. And and Google, um, you're able to um, label like, in Outlook as well. You're able to label it and it's pretty intuitive. Like I, I put family time or personal time, uh, triple T time, task time, whatever. So we aligned on the colors and what they mean. And so now it's just, I think in 30 more days, we'll take a look at how he's spending his time and energy. And if, there's a lot of executives that say, oh, I don't have a problem with my calendar. But then everyone else is like, oh, it's always showing up late. And people feel like their time is not respected if executives are constantly running late to meetings. And But they don't understand. They don't see it that way. They're just, they're so involved and passionate in, in the discussion of the former meeting and they just forget, right? Mm-hmm. And so EA should understand that if they're a very passionate executive and always deep diving deep into discussions, have some buffer time in between meetings or be proactive and say, hey, give them the meeting owners a heads up. Yeah. And you know what, That I'm so glad that you brought that up because there are those executives. We all know, you know, the type of executive that you're talking about, who they are, the people person, they're extroverts, they're very passionate about what they're doing. And, you know, it's all coming from a good place. If they're in a meeting and that person or the group that they're in a meeting with needs more time and they see that as legit, a legit need, right? They're not going to cut that time off and that's good, but that's going to make them late to the next meeting, which then is disrespectful. Like you said, would you have good strategies for helping EAs manage that if their executive is a lot like that? 
Definitely buffer time. And I'm I'm new in this role and still trying to understand my executive. And he's very much like that in terms of like very passionate. He, he likes being in discussions. And I don't want to take that away from him. This is how he got to where he is today. This is how the company started. So I'm going to build in that buffer time if I can, if I can um, build in the buffer time or if I see that he's he is running over and he's too engaged in the conversation to slack me and say, hey, tell the next meeting that I'm going to be running late, then I, I just do it proactively. And I, I everyone always uh, messages me and says, hey, do you know if this person is going to be attending? And I was like, yeah. And, but in a virtual environment, I like to do not only 10-minute reminders, but also five-minute reminders and meeting is starting reminders. So there's three reminders. 15 minutes, I think is too long of a reminder because in 15 minutes, a lot can happen and they'll get distracted. And so I like to do those three reminders, uh, but I also do like to do the buffer time and what else? Or schedule, strategically schedule those, what you think the topics, those meetings to on the mon- like Monday afternoons or Friday afternoons when they're able to have the space for this to run over. Okay. And not to get interrupted. Yeah. And I, my suspicions are the longer you work with your executive, you'll start to notice the patterns yes, um, or the trends or wh- where are they, when are they most likely to yes. let a meeting go over and be late and when are they not? That's when you start developing the mind reading <laughs> skills. <laughs> But it takes time. There's a mind reading skill set. There's like executives have their own language, their own personal language. So it's understanding that it's it, it all takes time. But you have to be very cognizant of what information that you are soaking in and, and how you're going to use that and, and your approach to support the executive. So let's wrap up this conversation with probably a conversation that we should have had in the very beginning, but it's also going to be a great conversation to end with, which is the psychology behind all of this. And uh, more than anything, what's in it for the executive? What do they have to gain when they either themselves, for those that don't have an EA, either themselves or they, those with an EA, allow the, an EA to do a calendar audit and to get much more engaged in strategic calendar management? What is there to gain and why would they want to do this? Gain from a psychology perspective? Yes. Or gain from, okay. Or whichever direction. If I didn't ask the question appropriately, you just answer it the way that you need, it needs to be answered. <laughs> yeah, objectively, they're gaining time, right? Uh, they're gaining, gaining time with the calendar. But I think it's the energy. They're gaining the stuff that feeds their energy and and makes them excited about things. And they're getting rid of the meetings or tasks that drain their energy. So I think it's energy conservation (laughs) and redistributing that energy into things that they love doing. And if it's creative, it's innovative, strategic, if it's going to trade shows, if they love doing that, they need the space to do that. And it it doesn't feel like work anymore. I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs and founders, it doesn't feel like work for them anyway, but it just makes the 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 job more fun. And the EAs, the EAs love what they do. They they don't, they're not just doing this for a paycheck. They actually love what they do and they're good at what they do. And so let let them do what they love so that you can do what you love. (laughs) And in most cases, way better at it than the executive probably would be at it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Let's just be honest. This is true. No matter how great the executive thinks he or she is, (laughs) you know, their, their EA is far better at their job than they than the executive could ever be at it. 
Yes. For obvious reasons. And I think it also probably eliminates de- decision fatigue for the executive, doesn't it? Yes. That's one of the things I loved. Once I handed everything over to Jenny, I was just like, oh, thank heavens. I don't have to waste my brain power trying to yes. think through all of this stuff and make decisions. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. That's a great point. Decision fatigue is real. And um, I don't think people are able to articulate it or, or identify what it is, but it's that at the end of the week where you can't decide on what to eat for dinner or where to go for dinner, that's because you've made too many decisions at the beginning of the week or throughout the week that you just can't make a simple decision like that anymore. So yes, there's definitely the decision fatigue. It, it helps with that because when the EA is good at what he or she is good at in terms of managing the executive's time, then the executive has to make less decisions. And if you have the system, the system and the structure in place, the system does the work for you. But you have to invest in building the system <laughs> and building that trust with the EA. And, and that's when that it's a well-oiled machine is when the system is up and running and it's built correctly and you've stepped back and you've invested the time into building the system, then the system gives back to you. And the ROI on this EA system that you've built out with the EA is never ending rewards in terms of you know, energy, <laughs> giving back energy. Lovely. You, my friend, you were uh, quite an impressive young woman. I am so happy our paths have crossed. I am too. This conversation was so exciting for me on a Friday. (laughs) So thank you, Starla, for inviting me. This was so fun. It was my pleasure. So my last question, uh, well, actually I have two, two final questions. One, is there anything that we didn't talk about that we should have talked about today or anything that I should have asked that I didn't? I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot. (laughs) All right. All based on an audit, a calendar audit. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's important stuff. It deserves its time. How can we find you? How can people find you on social media? Yeah, I connect with you. I'm on LinkedIn, so I'll send you the link that you can share with your listeners and viewers. But that LinkedIn is the best way. Okay, I will make sure that gets into the show notes. Yeah, happy to to nerd out about about any of this stuff with anybody. (laughs) Please feel free to reach out. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll make sure that gets into the show notes. Thank you again for your time. This has been a wonderful conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I look forward to having you sometime on the podcast again. Thanks, Starla. That's a wrap for today's episode. Head on over to StarlaWest.com forward slash podcast and drop your thoughts in the comments section. I'd love to hear how you felt about today's discussion. And as always, that's where you'll find the free worksheet for this episode and links to any resources we mentioned today. And by the way, if you're an executive who is ready to invest in the professional development of your assistant, I have four conferences to recommend. Links to all four will be in the show notes. And while you're hanging out on my website, don't forget to sign up for your no-cost online account. By doing that, you'll be the first to know about all the incredible free resources, upcoming events, online courses, and new products I'm cooking up just for you. Now, Let's talk about how you can help me keep this show going strong. It's simple. Hit that subscribe button on my YouTube channel. Subscribing there is a super easy way to show your love and support for the podcast. You can also subscribe to help me think on Spotify, Apple, and Google. We're everywhere, so you're never going to miss an episode. I want to shout out to our fantastic title sponsor, Business Furniture and Company. They make this podcast possible, and I'm super grateful for their support. All right, folks, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Starla West, and I can't wait to catch you next time on Help Me Think. We'll see you soon.